This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've been practicing for about 25 years now. And I started self-work last year because I wanted to extend the walls of my practice, not only to people who were already in therapy or were considering therapy, but who might never darken the door of a therapist's office, but were just curious enough to wonder what somebody like me would have to say about the different emotions and psychological experiences through life that we all have. I've done a lot of relationship work, a lot of marital counseling, and today's podcast is taken from my work with couples. I have listened to a lot of people argue and bicker and fight in my years of doing therapy, and I'm going to share with you the one question that if you mentally ask yourself before you say something you regret, that you'll learn to not take things so personally. Personalization of the other person's behavior is a huge problem with couples. We all do it to a certain extent, but you can get a lot better. For example, how many times have you said, if he really cared about me, dot, 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 or if she realized how tired I am, she wouldn't, again, X, Y, or Z. So we're going to talk about how to look at things differently and I'll show you how to practice, because it does take practice. The email from a listener today, which is a feature we do every week, is a question about perfectly hidden depression and those feelings getting harder to manage at night. If you don't know my work on perfectly hidden depression, those episodes are scattered throughout the now 72 episodes of self-work. It starts with three and four I believe 31 is an episode, maybe 35, and then there's several, but they will have perfectly hidden depression or perfectionism or hidden or depression or something in the title. I'm writing a book about it, which will be out in 2019. It's one of my passions. But today's podcast is about taking things too personally and the one question that can help you stop. For those of us in the United States, summer's around the corner, and maybe for many of you it is as well. That can mean a much-anticipated vacation with some all-too-rare time together with your partner. Or maybe vacations are something you dread because you fear fighting. Actually, any time together where you have time enough to remember who you are as a couple, and sometimes that can lead to fighting. Maybe you love your partner and you value your relationship, But somehow the two of you have developed a habit of falling into fights more and more frequently. You've come to associate time together with an inevitable argument. Now let me stop and say really quickly here that I'm not advocating for not arguing. In fact, I would much rather have a couple come in tearing each other apart than I would a couple come in and say, you know, I really don't care what he or she thinks anymore. That kind of apathy is hard to fix. But for those of you who are just bickering and maybe taking things too personally, this podcast is for you because it doesn't have to be that way. Arguments are not inevitable. 
a lot of fights occur because we've taken too personally what our partner has done or said or not done or not said. Some examples of that are if he loved me more than he would, if she respected me, she wouldn't have, if she knew how hard I was trying, she wouldn't have, if he really cared about the kids and me, he would. Obviously, all those sentences could be followed by a myriad of behaviors or things that have disappointed you or surprised you or shocked you, but you're making those behaviors about yourself. You consider their actions to be about you or even intentional actions to hurt you, and you tell yourself that this is the reason why your partner is acting the way they're acting. You personalize their behavior. A lot of the time, nothing could be further from the truth. One of the things that I say to a lot of couples is maybe 15 or 20% of the time, if that, yes, your partner's about you. They're miffed at you. They serve you cold dinner because they are, or they're late to a party that you're expecting them to be there. And yeah, they're late because they're mad at you and they're trying to get a point across. Yes, that of course happens. But a huge percentage of the time, that's not reality. Maybe your perspective, but not reality. So what's the question I mentioned in the intro that will help? There's a simple question where you can step out of the fighting pattern you're in. I learned it from working with people just like you, just like myself, in fact. Before you allow yourself to personalize, ask yourself, what do I know about my partner? that would explain his or her behavior that has nothing to do with me. It's so simple, but it's an eye-opener. I'll give you a fairly recent example from my own life. It was an early spring Saturday. My husband and I were shopping at our local grocery store. He decided he wanted to buy some hanging plants for the deck. He's the horticulturist in the family. But we'd just gotten cold groceries, and I was a little unsure, but... I figured he'd be quick. Plus, I had a bunch of stuff on my own to-do list for the weekend, but I was trying to be nice, so I told him, sure, why not? And we headed over to the nursery. What I didn't consider was the sheer volume of plants that were going to be available at that time of year. He ended spending what was, for me, a tremendously long time comparing and analyzing. I began getting a little panicky. We were in the back of a warm tent, and the place was stuffed with colorful plants as well as lots of smells and an overwhelming, for my anxiety, number of people. You toss together that with my problem of getting squeamish in crowded places, my impatience about the time it was taking, a little bit of claustrophobia, and I was beginning to head toward a likely disaster, and I needed to get out of there. My husband could tell I was getting agitated, probably because I was sighing and looking at my watch a lot, a lot of nonverbal communication. But he was having a marvelous time, so there was tension. Now, he could have thought, if she really cared what a good time I'm having, she wouldn't want to leave. Or I might have decided, if he really understood me, he would remember that this kind of situation panics me. And we would have been off to the races. Instead, I tried to take my own advice, and I walked over and said something like, I'm not exactly sure, but something like, I'm freaking out a little bit. Sorry. Take your time. And he responded, it'll be just another five minutes. Thanks. And so you can see 
that disaster was avoided. Now, we don't always avoid disaster. I assure you, we're a normal couple. But that day, it was fine. There was some tension, but it didn't escalate. Now, again, why did I handle it that way that time? Because I literally tried to follow my own advice. I didn't take his behavior personally. And I asked myself the simple question, what do I know about my husband that would explain his behavior that has nothing to do with me? He loves gardening. And he was immersed in an activity that he was really enjoying. So not only was he not thinking about me or my panic, it would never actually occur to him I would get panicked in a greenhouse. He knows I don't do big box stores very well, but in some place surrounded by greenery, he wouldn't have given it a thought. So you can tell that if you can imagine these things as reasons why he's acting or she is acting the way they are, you can step back and think, this is not about me. You know, it's amazing how in small situations like this one, things can escalate and huge fights can take place. I know I've not only had them, but I've listened to a lot of them. A lot of couples who see me will say, well, you're not going to believe how this fight started, and I'll look at them and say, oh, yes, I can, because we can have really vicious fights over the smallest little things, everything from whether you're going to hang up the bath towel or you're going to leave it on the floor or how many times have I heard arguments about what temperature it's going to be in the house, things that are really pragmatic, rudimentary, simple things that if we just are trying to get along fairly well, we can compromise. But if you're in the habit or your spouse is in the habit or you're both in the habit of taking things personally, then that defensiveness and blame and hurt will govern your reactions to each other. So what does it take? Well, just like every change of behavior, it takes trying to remember what you want to change and practicing what you want to change. So you look for opportunities to not personalize. Let's say you've asked your husband or your wife or your partner to call you when they reach their destination, and it's two hours past the time that they're supposed to get there. Your old habit would be to completely go nuts and feel abandoned. So you stop, and you would say something like, They said they would call me, and I can't believe they're not. If they cared about my worry, they would do it. That's personalization. So you stop and ask yourself a question. Again, to repeat, what do I know about my partner that would explain his or her behavior that has nothing to do with me? I'll give you some examples. Well, he's forgetful. He forgets to charge his cell phone, and it's probably dead. Or he gets really involved in whatever's going on around him, And remember, you're always the one who remembers to call. He probably remember when he's going to bed, but why don't I just call him? Anything but taking it personally. Or the next time your partner overdraws her checking account, instead of immediately saying that she's doing that just to piss you off, that she has no respect for how hard you work and is being selfish, just stop. Ask the question and remember, okay, what do I know about her? She grew up in a home where she was not taught anything about finances and that she said actually more than once that she struggles with money and needs help with it. Now, as an aside, that's probably better that it not come from you because she needs a more objective teacher, but you know that about her. 
You don't like it about her. You don't like that he forgets to call. But it's not about you. Most of us don't wake up and think about how we can make our partner miserable today. We just don't. And if you believe your partner does have an agenda to intentionally hurt you, then we're talking about an entirely different situation and one that has the potential to be abusive. Now, I want to make a quick point. Let's take the example of the guy who forgets to call. He knows that probably irritates his partner because she's a worrier. If he doesn't try to remember, if he just says, well, that's your issue, then that's not being kind and respectful in a relationship. So it has to go both ways. Yes, she has to work really hard to not take it personally, but he has to remember that she's trying to tolerate a behavior that she finds worrisome, maybe even irritating. So he needs to understand that and not take advantage of her trying to cope with it. This is a very important concept because I hear people all the time saying to one another, well, you knew this when you married me, or I can't believe this is an issue with you now. I've been this way since we were dating. Well, that's taking advantage of someone's coping with behaviors that are disappointing. But this whole personalization issue is what we're talking about today. But I just wanted to make sure that we say on this episode as well that it's a two-way street. So once again, the question is, what do I know about my partner that would explain their behavior that has nothing to do with me? You can talk to him about it later and say, you know, I really struggle with this, but I'm trying to not make it about me. And then perhaps the two of you can reach a greater compromise. So give it a try. Maybe even clue your partner in that that's what you're going to try to do and maybe invite him or her to do the same thing. I promise you, it's a question that can cause remarkable change in your marriage or your partnership. Today's email from a listener consists of basically three sentences. (laughs) Well, two sentences and a question. Hi, I took your PhD quiz and I identified with having this depression and was wondering about nighttime. It seems to haunt me more than this quiz expressed. Who is best on treating this? That was short and sweet. She's talking about the questionnaire on perfectly hidden depression, which I believe is in Episode 3, if you want to take it yourself, it gives you an idea of where on the spectrum of perfectly hidden depression you may be or you may not be. Just to identify quickly, perfectly hidden depression is a syndrome of behaviors that are often found together that act to mask or detach from depression or painful emotions, painful experiences. It consists of perfectionism, taking on lots of responsibility, discounting or completely not expressing painful emotion, staying in your head a lot, making others more important than you are constantly, counting your blessings all the time and believing that not doing so would be a terrible thing to do. It has lots of reasons for being, but it can be deeply, deeply entrenched in someone. So here's my answer. It may be more obvious to you at night that you're suffering due to the fact that you're less distracted by activity or simply becoming more tired. 
as far as treating perfectly hidden depression, once you've recognized your own habits and patterns, a good therapist can help you with beginning to connect more with your emotions rather than intellectualizing things and work on any trauma that may be in your past that you may not even recognize as trauma at this point. Treatment focus depends on how your own hiding began. And remember, perfectly hidden depression isn't a diagnosis, it's a syndrome. Here's a podcast talking about treatment, and I gave her the link to 060 or 60 on self-work, which was unmasking the pain of perfectly hidden depression. You know, we all, when we get out of our routine at nighttime, whether that's staying at home with the kids all day or whether that's a job and then helping with kids or a job and other responsibilities and activities you have, then when you get quiet, sometimes our minds don't want to turn off or we have anxiety about the day or various issues arise at night. And sleep is so important for mental health. So if you're not sleeping well, if you can't turn your mind off If you wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep, all those things are signs that you may need help with your sleep routine. Not necessarily sleep aids, but there are definitely some good sleep habits. And I'll include a link to good sleep habits in the show notes. Also, of course, sleep disturbance can be a symptom of depression, anxiety, PTSD, all kinds of issues. So if it gets to be a real problem, you may want to talk to a physician or a therapist. Thanks for a great question. I want to so sincerely thank all of you who are listening for being here at Self Work. I reached 100 ratings this past week, and I know I, I really don't like to be all hung up on the numbers, but it does help Self Work become a little more accessible to other people because it rises in rankings. So you have my sincere appreciation for that. The hundred of you who've left a rating or review and those of you who have subscribed, I really am thrilled that I have that many subscriptions. You know, self-work is a podcast where we talk about a lot of diverse issues and I would love to hear from you at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com about what you'd like to hear a podcast on. I'm certainly not an expert in everything. There are things I don't know a lot about, like learning disabilities is not an area of focus for me. But if it's relationship-oriented, trauma-oriented, depression-oriented, anxiety-oriented, eating disorders, anything like that, I have a good deal of experience in. I'm thrilled to see the way self-work is growing, and the best thing you can do is let people know, hey, I've been listening to this podcast by this psychologist, and it's pretty interesting. I learned something. Word of mouth is a perfect way. And of course, as I said a few minutes ago, leaving a rating or review. But I guess I want to stress that I'm recording self-work because I want to help you in the way you need to be helped. I want to offer you information. I want to offer you whatever guidance or support I can. So the more contact I have with you, the better I am. (laughs) So thank you for listening once again to Self Work. I hope the advice that I handed out today will be helpful to you in your relationship as you work on not personalizing things quite so much. Thank you for listening. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.